This is how we overcome the movement now. Here we come. Reaching to the world with arms open, arms open, yeah. This is how we practice. Welcome back to Crazy Faith Talk. I'm Steve. I'm Erica. And I'm Sarah. So friends, we are rounding out a series we've been doing for the last several weeks where we've been looking at voices other than our own and how they have impacted us in our spiritual life and our understanding of God and theology. And so, Sarah, uh, who is the last person that we're going to be looking at today? So today we're going to be looking at Rachel Held Evans, which I think, Erica, when you were talking about your last person, you said you cheated a little bit. And um, because you were baptized in the Roman Catholic Church, but I also feel like I'm cheating a little tiny bit with Rachel Held Evans <laughs> because she uh, grew up evangelical and then uh, she became a journalist. She was, and she was born in 1981, so not that long ago. And by becoming a journalist, she started to really question her faith. Um, and she, as a journalist, wrote about her experience questioning her faith and um, became more not what like most people think of as evangelical, like, you know, mm-hmm. and became more liberal in her views. Um, and likewise, I grew up not really in the church, um, but I was heavily influenced by my Baptist grandparents who were very evangelical and um, became Lutheran in middle school and uh, went to college. And in college, I also went through a very questioning phase of trying to figure out what I believe in because I had like on one shoulder, I had like my grandparents. And then on the other shoulder, I had my Lutheran tradition that I had been steeped in throughout all of middle school and high school and now college. And, um, but so there's, I feel a lot of similarity with Rachel Held Evans and the fact that she is almost my age. Like we are, you know, born in the same decade. We had a very similar, like growing up and then questioning phase. Um, she's just a lot better of a writer than I am and also willing to dedicate a lot more of her time in like really nitty gritty details. Um, the book that I first read of hers is called A Year of Biblical Womanhood, How a Liberated Woman Found Herself Sitting on Her Roof, Covering Her Head and Calling Her Husband Master. And it is just a hysterical look at all of those biblical passages that often dictate what women should do in society and in their family. And it, it's a lot of, um, but how the, the, the right-wing evangelical church tends to even pick and choose what we do and do not. Like they'll say, oh yes, you follow this. But then in a couple of verses later, and it says something else, we don't do that. Right. And so like, what would it mean to take all of those nitty-gritty details especially in the old testament that says how women should behave and then follow it so for example uh there is a verse in the bible that says women should cover their hair when they pray and some denominations follow this right like um lots of jewish sects follow this the mennonite and amish women follow this but like 
I, as a Lutheran, I do not follow this, right? Like I do not wear a head covering to pray. And I also think it's a little bit weird that women specifically would have to do this, but not men. Like, right. Like really? Why? But she would take all of those things and then follow them literally. So as her subtitle suggests, she went through this phase where she, um, and, and I think not all of these things that she followed exactly for a year and something she did, like something she just did for a week. Like, I want to say that calling her husband master, I don't think she did that the entire year. I think she had a smaller time frame for that one. But she basically was looking at all of these things about what does it mean to be a faithful woman? Mm-hmm. And um, I think she called that women of valor because she was looking at, is it Proverbs that yes. has that? I, th- I think she she's riffing on that, that uh, phrase that comes from the end of Proverbs 31 that sometimes gets translated like the virtuous woman, but is better in the Hebrew as like woman of strength or woman of valor. Uh, and I, I can remember, maybe you had this experience in seminary too, Sarah, since we went to the same seminary of having a whole spiel from a Hebrew professor about like that translation, making the, uh, it about her, her moral character is not really what that passage says. It's about strength. And we've turned it into like uh, a polite woman when the, the Hebrew is richer and fuller and it's a woman of valor. Um, but if your translation makes it, uh, you know, a woman who's nice and polite, that, suggests that it's not appropriate to be strong or loud or courageous or something like that, but only polite and quiet. So yeah, she, uh, Rachel Held Evans would often use that phrase and sort of like tongue in cheek, sort of like it's, this phrase is not what uh, a lot of folks have been socialized into thinking it means. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's basically this entire, entire book of a year of biblical womanhood. And it's, it's very, insightful and made me even though I read it like post-seminary so at that point pretty Lutheran and had shed (laughs) a lot of my evangelical conservative mindset but like it it made me even re-question some of the things that I had already kind of just you know shucked off and was all like nope this isn't for me and it made me like rethink again about well, you know, it's not like we can just completely ignore the entire Bible, like, but why do we follow the things that we follow? And why do we leave behind the things that we leave behind if we think that it's all inspired, influenced, whatever word you would like to use, but from God, like, why do we do the things that we do? And yeah, it's just really insightful, but in a really, really funny way. And I'm also glad that she did it so that I don't have to. (laughs) Um, But yeah, she, she's not a trained theologian, like as in she did not go to seminary. She is, uh, she was a journalist, which I don't think I really paid a whole lot of attention to what her actual career was until I was researching for this episode. Um, but she wrote an article that I think I read without realizing that it was from her. Um, that was about like getting millennials in your church. Mm. Um, because she self-identifies as a millennial. She was born in 1981. Um, and I am a millennial. I was born in 1988. 
And um, that is a generation that is often missing in the U.S. Protestant churches is the millennials. And her article was basically saying we're going about that wrong, like, which I definitely felt in college and post-college trying to like, you know, how, how churches were going about trying to attract millennials was basically through praise band, praise band. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, um, with praise music that was from the seventies, which praise music from the 1970s is not good. Like (laughs) this is my own personal opinion. So if you disagree with me, that's fine. But it's often just the same like phrase or two just repeated over and over again for four minutes. And, but like not in a good way that I would say to Zay is, it's not like meditative or like, let's really think about it or whatever. It's just, you know, God is great over and over and over again. Um, But she was basically saying, hold on, like that's not a good way to attract anybody to the church, let alone millennials. Like if you want to attract church or people to the church, be authentic, mm-hmm. be, um, y- you know, talk about why people in general should be in the church. And it's because of who God is and what God does. Stop trying to be cool because when you try to be cool, that's really uncool. And um, yeah, I think I read that article years and years and years ago, but I didn't realize it was from her until again, I was researching this for this article or for this podcast. And it's like, oh, Rachel Held Evans wrote that. I think it's interesting in her personal biography too. She grew up in the same town that was famous for hosting the Scopes Monkey Trial. Uh, You know, the you know, back in the in the days when the, the question was about like whether evolution or creation would be taught in school. Like, so this is like 100 years ago. But so she grew up in a town where the heritage of the town was defending um, that uh, that creation is the only thing that should be taught in schools and evolution shouldn't like. So like she, she grew up in a background where there is this assumed contradiction between faith and science and i think that comes through in some of her writing too about like maybe we don't have to make these as antagonistic as again sometimes organized religion has done and sort of treated this like these are opposites and it's either faith or science wins and uh, and maybe it's again the same streak in her that uh was drawn to journalism was able to do a little bit of unpacking of maybe these are not opposites and maybe people of faith don't need to cover their ears and shut their eyes when science has something to offer, but it would be worth us listening. And if it makes our lives more complicated and figuring out an answer, being honest and dealing with that rather than let's pretend that there's no complicated reality there. That's something I found really helpful about her writing is that instead of ignoring the things that are difficult, she's one who's like, let's deal with it. So even her book about, you know, living according to all the commandments from the Bible she doesn't try to paper it over and say, look, there's an easy way to navigate. Here's a simple test for what rules to follow. It's like, all right, let's live by all these rules and just see like what, 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 it, what does this actually look like? And why would this, you know, what, what, what how, how would I decide what, what, what holds and what doesn't she's willing to like hold up that complicatedness for people to see. And instead of thinking she has to tie a neat bow on it, like here's the messiness, let's own the messiness. So. I think also with her dealing, like dealing with the difficult things, 
right? It's hard, but you should still do it. Yeah. Um, so Rachel Held Evans died in 2018. Uh, she went, she, she had an infection and the antibiotics that she was given to clear up the infection she was allergic to. And so from complications from that, and then brain swelling, you know, she, she died rather tragically and suddenly in her thirties, um, leaving behind her husband and two very small kids. And this was like, I remember just in 2018, when she died, just the grief that was felt by especially young women pastors, myself included, um, that because suddenly this person, this theologian who was from our generation and who was just like us in, in our place in life died. And we were suddenly left with the realization that, oh yes, we could also die, but also feeling robbed of knowing that she wasn't going to continue to grow up with us. And, um, and I, I have a tendency that when authors who I really, really like die, I can't read their last book. And I was like, I was planning on like the next month buying her fifth book that she had just released called Inspired. And it's continued to sit on my Amazon wish list because I can't bring myself to buy it, let alone read it. Even if I were to buy it, I don't think I'd be able to read it um, because there's something about knowing that there is one more book out there that I haven't read from her. Um, but like, um, I think in the, her eulogy or not eulogy, her sermon funeral, um, which was delivered by Nadia Boltz Weber, she even um, said that, you know, I feel robbed. You know, I'm crying because death is a thief we cannot put on trial and punish. Mm-hmm. And I think that that felt very true with Rachel Held Evans' death that we all felt robbed because it was so sudden. She was still really young. You know, she only wrote five books, which is a lot. That's five more than I've ever written. <laughs> yeah. written. Um, one of which is a children's book that looks beautiful. But again, I haven't been able to bring myself to read it because I still feel such grief knowing that she should have had more, right? Like she should have been like Nowen, who has so many books that it's hard to count them all because he had he has so much to say. And Rachel Held Evans was like that, right? Like I feel like she had so much left to say, and we don't get to hear those words. It it's especially uh grieving when you find a voice that even it's not like you always agree with everything that they say, but like that you value like getting to know their perspective and that like when a new issue comes up or a new subject or a new challenge or a new thing in the news, you're like, oh, I should read what so-and-so has to say. That might give me some insight. Like when you get a voice like that, that becomes like almost like your own personal conversation partner, even if they're never in the room, but you get to read, you know, whether it's a blog post or a, an article or, or a, a longer form book or something that you get to know, yeah, from this person's perspective, I bet they'd approach it this way. And they, oh yeah, this is how they see it. And, and it helps, at least in, in my experience, it helps me to feel like, well, yeah, we're, we're, how, how do I see this? How will I talk about this? And when you have a conversation partner like that or somebody else to listen to, it helps me to work through my own not only me personally, but in my context, how am I going to address mm-hmm. X or Y or Z? And 
yeah, when when you lose somebody who was such a good voice to listen to, and my goodness, she she never came off as a being a know it all or a jerk or like here's the final word. Like she, she and and maybe in part because she didn't she she didn't write as a pastor. I mean, she she wasn't like I'm the authority around here. It was like. I'm a person struggling with my faith and I'm convinced that this God is real, but also that God is okay with us wrestling with God. And that came through in everything that she wrote so that she was approachable. And um, that I think maybe too, that meant that she was willing to leave loose ends that preachers sometimes feel like it's our job to tie up the loose ends at the end of the sermon or at the end of the Bible study, you know, so God looks good. Like, well, I know it seemed messy, but I'm going to bring it all home and tie it all up in the last two sentences of the sermon. And it'll segue right into the hymn of the day. And then we'll all go home feeling everything's right with the world. And maybe we need those kind of voices that uh, are able to say, this is messy and I can't resolve it. And you probably can't resolve it honestly either. Let's leave it unresolved and find that God's in there rather than making it fit. One other thing I would add, if you're willing for me to add this in the conversation, is my impression of Rachel Held Evans. And this is primarily, she was, she was one of the first like living authors I started following on uh, Twitter, because uh, I'm late to the game in social media. Um, but um, uh, was that she had this way, and this may have been something from the beginning of her writing career, uh, it may have been something that emerged over time, but she had this amazing ability to use her platform to lift up other people whose voices needed to be heard. Like that, that was remarkable in that I, I didn't, I didn't perceive her as somebody who said, I've got all the answers. I will speak for everybody, but more like, huh, I bring this limited perspective, but who are other people who have important things to say and just need someone to give them a megaphone so that they, you know other people will hear the, what they have to say, the insights they contribute. So instead of me just parroting what so-and-so says, let me help, you know, uh, and she would, you know, recommend a book or she would highlight a different author or she'd feature other people in conferences where she was invited to, sp to speak. And it reminds me of that line. You've probably heard, both heard this before too, but I, it, it sticks in my mind that like very rarely is it that there are voiceless people out there and that we need to be their voice. Everybody's got a voice, just most people don't get heard over the background noise. And sometimes if you're in a position of privilege or you've got a platform where you are heard, that instead of saying, I will speak for us all, like, nope, let somebody else up to the microphone and let them say what, what needs to be added to the conversation. Rachel Held Evans seemed to me like somebody who did that well and authentically, and that it wasn't um, it, it wasn't a, a circular way of patting herself on the back. She actually cared about lifting up other people's voices um, because she was convinced they had something to offer. So Sarah, I have a two-part question for you. Yeah. Uh, first, what is the greatest lesson, greatest takeaway that you have from Rachel's books, articles, things that you have read from her? And then second, the question that we've kind of been asking each other uh, throughout the series, for someone who has not delved into her writings, where would you suggest they start? Um, so, so your first question of... Uh, I don't remember how you phrased it, so I'm just going to answer it. Um, but uh, I think what I really appreciate from her from her writings is, is I think Steve lifted this up a little bit ago about her being will, willing to wrestle with questions and doubts and assumptions. And I, I think that especially as somebody who grew up with lots of Southern Baptist influences, 
um, which are often don't really align with the Lutheran tradition then I that I then finished growing up in and then was trained in to both be willing to question the assumptions and beliefs that I had very early on in my life, but also the assumptions and beliefs that I then gained through college and seminary um, that, you know, it's okay to wrestle with questions and beliefs and that that isn't um, because the Southern Baptist belief system was very much um, I think my grandma once told me that if you doubt your salvation, it means you're not saved. Mm-hmm. And so like, then grow like realizing that it's okay to have doubts, that doubt is not the opposite of faith, that it's okay to wrestle. And that is a theme that I think you can find again and again and again in Rachel Held Evans, because again, she's a journalist, like that's her background as a journalist. Um, I, I started with a year of biblical womanhood, um, so I would lift that up. But again, I've only read two of her five books. You know, she has four books for adults, one book for, you know, for children. It's a picture book. It looks beautiful. Um, but they all have themes. So I'm not going to necessarily say that you should start with a year of biblical womanhood, but rather, where are you in your life? Are you looking for a faith community? In which case, you might want to start with searching for Sunday, loving, leaving, and finding the church. Um, Are you, you know, what are you currently wrestling with? You know, there are four books for adults, like one of those might have similar themes. So again, also since she only has four, I don't know, I don't even know if you should call them theology books, but since she only has four, you can easily go and look at like the synopsis and like see if one seems to resonate more where you are um you might want to start with that book i think it's it's helpful too that when when she writes i don't get the impression that she writes with like an agenda that she's here to like like her her book that that last one you mentioned earlier inspired um doesn't come with like uh, the agenda of I'm I'm here to smash people's belief or trust in the Bible. Um, I mean, like there's sometimes when you'll read an author like, and they'll make headlines saying, "Here's somebody who's here to try to disprove that the Bible." Like she's more like, "Let's take an honest look and be like, hey, wait a second. Genesis one tells creation story one way, and Genesis two tells the story differently. I'm not making that up. That's there in the text. How do we live with that? How do we make sense of that? How do we deal with the way these stories get told rather than?" I'm here to smash what you believe, or I'm here to prop up. You have to, you know, toe the line. And here's the official doctrinal position. You all have to subscribe to at the end that 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 willingness to leave room for gray and contradiction and doubt percolates through all of her writing. And it's sort of like, well, what would that look like in looking for a church community? That's one book. And what would that look like in how we read the Bible? That's not, so it's, it's in some ways you get the same personality addressing different subjects. And again, I think because she's not trying to be a theologian, although yeah. like you look at the definition of theologian, <laughs> one, but um, she, she's just trying to wrestle with her own faith and with her own understanding of the Bible. And then she writes about it. And if you can find that helpful or if it resonates with your own wrestling, awesome. But really, she's coming at this as this is me wrestling. Yeah. Because I'll be honest, I've not read anything by Rachel Hall Evans, um, partially because I also come from that kind of conservative background. 
and, and still lean in that direction, not as much as I used to. Um, I'm kind of having my own <laughs> coming of age, like under, understanding and and relooking at the gospels and, and what Jesus actually teaches um, versus what the church says Jesus teaches. Um, <laughs> so um, I'm curious maybe to, to uh, I kind of stayed away from her because you know, the news seemed to portray her as trying to debunk, you know, debunk everything um, that I grew up believing. Um, and now I'm like, do I actually believe that? Right. And so she might be a good voice for me to um, look into and see like, okay, what, what does she question? Why does she question it? Yeah. Um, is this something I need to be questioning too? Yeah. I think one of the things that will make Rachel Held Evans a possible good conversation partner in that, if, 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 if that's a journey you go on, Erica, is that my, at least my impression of her is that she, um, she doesn't, she, she doesn't get a kickback from making you convert to her club. Like she's not there with like an agenda mm -hmm. and she's not there as a spokesperson for uh, a denomination or something like that. But it's more like if you come through this wrestling and you do the honest searching and you're more concerned, more confirmed than ever that X, Y, and Z that you were sure about, great. But the important thing is to have done the honest looking and searching and wrestling and that God is encountered in the wrestling, not just in the I arrived at, uh, you know, this orthodox position that was, you know, firmed up in this creed. Um, and she's helpful in helping us to sift through that. Like, like you said, there's a lot of stuff that, that, that those of us who've, who spent time in the institutional church have been handed and we've been handed all of it, like in this suitcase of, this is all ancient. It all comes straight from God. You have to take all of it or nothing. Mm -hmm. And she's one of those, well, wait a second here. Well, how did we arrive at all this baggage? What of it came from God? And what of it is like, what's the history behind this? Wait a second. Um, that maybe some of the things that we were handed, this is how it's always been seen. That's not how it's always been seen. Um, and in that regard, she's, uh, she, she, she's, she's a good conversation partner because she's unflinching in that it's not like if something's uncomfortable. So like, well, let's not talk about that. That'll be uncomfortable. She's also not there just to laugh as she smashes people's deeply held belief. She's someone who's come through the wrestling herself in that regard. And, and I think and I appreciate that she's not a theologian in the sense that some of the others that we've talked about in this series are. Yeah. You know, she's not the pastor. She's not, you know, like you said, coming from a certain denomination, trying to get you to, you know, join that particular club of Christianity. Right. Um, right. So, yeah, I'll have to check her out. I think that the children's book that was, I think it was just recently being published. Does that sound right? I mean, like it was written before her so. death, but it's like right on the verge of, or just has been. If I, if I remember correctly, I've seen previews of it. It's like the whole gist is like, what's God like? And this is aimed at like, it, is that the title? That's the title. Um, hold on. I'm looking it up because I was looking at, cause I didn't know she had a children's book. Yeah. And so then when I was doing research for this and I was looking on her website at her books, cause I was like, okay, well, I know I have a year of biblical womanhood. I know I have searching for Sunday. I inspired is the book that I'm probably not going to be able to make myself read for at least another 10 years. Um, and, you know, what was the other book? And it's her first book. And I, I can't remember even its name, Yeah. but yeah. What is God life? It came out June 15th, 2021. Yeah. And like it just came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that like the, the gist, I mean, again, it's written as a children's book, but like that it comes down to things like, 
you know, that that feeling of when you're secure and you know you're loved, that's what God, so like this is meant to be, it's, 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 it's again, not like indoctrination in the guise of a children's book. It's, it's very, very much accessible to where kids are at. But again, it, that, that feels very Rachel Held Evansy of like, um, yeah, what, that, that maybe all the parables Jesus tells, and maybe all of what scripture is doing is trying to answer the question, yeah, what is God like? And where do we get these ideas from? And it, it, to, to, to frame things that way, I think is really helpful as a, as a way of, of helping kids to understand that theology is less about, I got to get the answer right or I don't go to heaven, and more about like, we're trying to put in human concepts what the infinite divine mystery is like. Yeah, the, the best we're going to come up with is parable and illustration and object lesson that's going to be helpful, but also have limitations. Yeah, so I'm going, so I pulled it up on Amazon. Um, and I'm going to read you the first two pages because I think it will get you give you a good sense of what this book is like and about. So imagine these words with really beautiful illustrations. <laughs> it's, it's fantastic. But what is God like? That's a very big question. One that people from places all around the world have wandered about since the beginning of time. And while nobody has seen all of God, because God is far too big for any of us to fully see, we can know what God is like. God is like an eagle, sharp-eyed and swift, with wings so wide you can play under their shadows. God is like a river, constant and life-giving. When you grow near God, you'll sprout up strong as a tree. So you can even hear in that, like there's deliberate biblical echoes. I mean, that you know, there's there's riffing on the imagery out of the Psalms and out of the, the prophets, but not in a heavy handed like, well, as Psalm one says, like it's it's more it, it's it allows the images to be the way they were intended, not as a pretext, but ways of helping understand what's God like. Yeah. So, so yeah, this, this isn't an ad for any of Rachel Held Evans books, but if it were, it would should buy this book. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for giving us this introduction to her voice. And even though it has fallen silent, this side of glory, um, uh, we, we could be hopeful one day for conversation around the heavenly banquet table and hearing what insight she has to share one day. But in the meantime, thanks for introducing us to her, her voice and her life and her perspective, Sarah. Yep. Thanks to everybody who's been joining us here on this series as we've looked at voices other than our own. More adventures await in future series here on Crazy Faith Talk. So check us out next week. See y'all. Bye. Bye.